0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to
1: harvest.org. Often in marriage, spouses may see things differently. It can create some tension. Pastor Greg Laurie says be careful about calling it Irreconcilable Differences.
0: Don't tell me about Irreconcilable Differences. I've had Irreconcilable Differences with my wife for 44 years. They're irreconcilable. She's neat and I'm messy. She likes British TV dramas and I like shoot-em-ups. She's cute and I'm fat. It's irreconcilable.
2: Listen.
1: is a union of two imperfect people, and often that's the perfect recipe for conflict. How can couples learn to disagree agreeably? How can couples bring harmony to the home when each spouse is singing a different tune? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings a practical study of biblical marriage. Sometimes that relationship can be filled with questions, but the answers are easy to find. Let's all pay attention for a new presentation called Marriage 101.
0: I heard about a husband and wife who were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. So the husband took the wife by the hand and made a dramatic announcement in front of friends and family. He said, Dear wife, I love you so much and in honor of 25 years with you, 25 years of really wedded bliss, I am going to take you to China. She was so excited. She said, I have never been to China before. Thank you. So if this is what you are going to do for our 25th anniversary, what will you do for our 50th? He says, that is when I will pick you up. <laughs> that is not good. That's not good. Maybe that is why someone said marriage is like a three ring circus, engagement ring, wedding ring, suffering. So you don't want that to happen. And it doesn't have to happen. Uh, J. Paul Getty. He was one of the wealthiest men that ever lived also one of the most miserable men that ever lived. He made this statement and I quote, I would give my entire fortune for one happy marriage. One happy marriage. Is that even possible in our culture today? The divorce rate is around 50% uh, more or less. But that rises when you get to the second marriage or it goes to 60%. Then you go to a third marriage, it goes up to 73%. So you wonder, is it even possible, I'll tell you what, I've told you this before, but my mother was married and divorced seven times. So I I kinda know a little bit about divorce. I've not been divorced, but I've seen it up close and personal, I know about the devastation of divorce, and I wanna do everything I can to encourage you, when that day comes, if you're single and you get married, to honor that commitment for a lifetime. To keep your eyes wide open before marriage and then half shut afterwards, okay? To know what you're getting yourself into. I think sometimes we think marriage should be like a fairy tale and they lived happily ever after. Well, it doesn't always work out that way. But I do believe you can live happily even after. Not ever after, even after. If you do it God's way. Now let's just sort of establish a fact here that I think we would all agree on. Culture, and by culture I mean media, Hollywood, television, etc., doesn't know anything about how to have a good marriage so we don't need to listen to them. In fact, if anything, in many ways, it seems like culture is almost opposed to a happy marriage. I mean, look at all the celebrities. You know, they marry each other. And their marriages are over, over so quickly. Some years ago, Kid Rock married Pamela Anderson. Their marriage lasted four months. Renee Zellweger married country star Kenny Chesney, four months the marriage lasted. Eddie Murphy and Tracy Edmonds, two weeks was the length of their marriage. Carmen Electra and Dennis Rodman, that was six days. Uh, Sinead O'Connor entered her fourth marriage after 16 days. Uh, Channing Tatum and Jenna Dwan Tatum recently divorced after nine years of marriage. And in their divorce announcement, they made this statement. They lovingly have chosen to separate. Lovingly chosen to separate. When Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Chris Martin of Coldplay uh, divorced, they described it as a conscious uncoupling. A conscious uncoupling. So, let, okay, now we're learning. They're telling us what they're doing. A conscious uncoupling and lovingly choosing to separate. How about consciously? Choosing to lovingly stay together instead. That's possible. It's possible. But some wonder. I just read an article the other day about a well known actress who got a divorce. And she said, I don't want to sound cynical about marriage or be bitter, but uh, I don't know if people are meant to be together forever. The article went on to say she isn't alone in wondering that. There's no doubt, particularly as lifespans have increased, that there's less certainty about finding and keeping lifelong love with just one person. A survey conducted among millennials found 43% would support what they call a beta marriage model. Which means you test the relationship for two years before you decide whether or not you're gonna commit to it or dissolve it. And then 36% of the millennials back the real estate marriage model. Real estate marriage model in which couples would commit to a set period of time ranging from five to 30 years. And at the end they have to renegotiate if they want to remain married. Okay. I'm going to save you a lot of trouble. All right. And here's what it is. The real estate model and the beta model are not going to work. And here's why. Studies show that those that live together have a far higher divorce rate than those who don't live together. In fact couples who live together are are losing out in 85% of their marriages. So if you want to set your marriage up for failure live together. Try the beta model. Try the real estate model. Or better yet try God's model. Which is it's a lifelong commitment. I wish we could strike the word divorce from our vocabularies. If you are going to go into it thinking you are going to get out of it here or there, don't go into it. Stay single instead. Because God has a plan. (laughs) There is a TV show on right now. It is called Marriage at First Sight. And uh, it features people who agree to participate in an extreme experiment. Each covenants legal marriage with a complete stranger. So you walk in, you've never met this person, you make a commitment, I'm going to marry them. They put a nice wedding on for you, all the trimmings, all the good things, you know, and it's all there on television. And uh, and they and they say it's going to work because they have specialists helping you, which include a spiritualist, a relationship coach, and a sociologist using scientific matchmaking methods to determine each couple who have not yet met. Uh, will have a marriage that lasts. Listen, what could go wrong if you have a spiritualist counseling you? Right? They have a 22% success rate. You're better off just going out and randomly doing it on your own. But this is the kind of thing people look to as a possible example. We need to make a commitment for a lifetime. And if you want to know how to have a successful marriage, God has given you a user's manual. It's called the Bible. And it works. It works. It works. B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. So check the user's manual. It tells you how to have a successful and a blessed marriage. Yes, well, you don't know, Greg, what we're going through in our marriage. We have irreconcilable differences. What are you talking about, irreconcilable differences? I've had irreconcilable differences with my wife for 44 years. They're irreconcilable. She's neat and I'm messy. She's sometimes late, I'm often early. She likes British TV dramas and I like shoot 'em ups. She's cute and I'm fat. It's irreconcilable. <laughs> Don't tell me about irreconcilable differences. Question: What attracted you to your spouse in the first place? Probably the fact that they were different than you. <laughs> You've heard the expression opposite to attract. There's truth to that. You didn't want someone just like you so you probably picked someone that in some ways was your opposite. And now that difference that attracted you has somehow, at least in your mind, turned into some wide chasm that you describe as irreconcilable or an obstacle that is insurmountable. No, listen. You make a commitment for life and we all recognize we need to constantly grow in our marriages. When someone comes to me and the wife says, you know, it's all his fault. And, and then he says, no, it's all her fault. I, you know, I can see what the problem is. They're not taking any responsibility. They're saying, hey, it's all them. It's not me. Both people have to work at having a good marriage. It doesn't happen by accident. And you can have a happy and a blessed marriage.
1: Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of today's presentation in just a moment
0: you know sometimes we can't always make it to church but here's the good news church is coming to you it's coming to you on your tv screen or on your tablet or your computer or even your phone we do it every weekend and it's called harvest at home we have worship we have a message from the word of god if you want to find out more just go to harvest.org and join us this weekend for harvest at home
1: Well, recently, Pastor Greg was joined by several others on stage to address questions from the congregation on this subject of marriage. The discussion begins with Pastor Jason Powell.
2: All righty. So, hey, we just want to say thank you for all of the questions that you've been texting in. We've got some amazing ones, and we're going to take a few moments now just to hear from the panel, uh, really just practical cookies on the bottom shelf. How do we deal with marriage and some problems in marriage? And so right out of the gate, you know, Pastor Greg, someone asked this question to you and Kathy. Uh, what are some challenges that you and Kathy faced early on in your marriage and how did you get through them?
0: Go ahead, Kathy. <laughs> do you
2: really want Parents to hear this? Be marrying
0: Greg, and that sums <laughs> it up right there.
3: Well, we had some good fights, that's for sure. We not quarreled. Fights, no, just we quarreled. We quarreled before we got married. We quarreled after we got married. To be totally honest with you, marriage does not fix who you are. It shows you who you are, and then you have a choice to surrender to the Lord and repent of your sin. But I, I'm telling you that marriage will show you faster your flaws than almost anything else. You're bringing a person, another sinful, flawed person, into close proximity. You're living with them under the same roof, and you see in one another those things, often in the other person, unfortunately, and they see them in you. And, you know, when Greg and I first got married, you know, Greg was a pastor, I was married to a pastor, I loved the Lord, I was in the church, but that doesn't mean that marriage is easy. And we had our quarrels, but I will say this, that um, early on in our courtship, we determined to put God at the center, and uh, that we decided that we would follow His book, and that it wasn't about us, that marriage wasn't about personal self-fulfillment as much as it was we were entering into a promise, into a covenant with God, and his word was going to be upheld. Both of us agreed to that. And through the quarrels and through the petty fights and things like that, that we had over the years, the Lord brought us back to each other time and time again. Sometimes he'd be the first one to, you know, just come and reach out. And sometimes I would be the first one, but both of us had made that clear before we got married. And I think that's really important that you walk into it with your eyes wide open, that you do know marriage is hard, is not easy, but a lot of things are hard and we do them anyway, right? You want to be a great football player or a great ballerina. Tell me you don't suffer to get there. Marriage is like that. If you want a great marriage, you're going to have to work hard at it. God will give you the grace and strength as you seek him. And uh, you recognize that you are married to a sinner. He is married to a sinner. And uh, somehow in the middle of all that, the Holy Spirit has his place and can transform lives.
0: Yeah, I would add to that that um, I think that instead of selfishness, it needs to be selflessness. And if you pick a guy or a girl and say, I'm going to marry them and they're my project and I'm going to fix them, don't marry them. Because here's reality. They may end up worse than they are now. Okay. Oh well I'm going to change them. No you probably aren't. They're going to just be a more exaggerated version of the person you see now later in life. So if you're not down with that, if you can't live with that, maybe you shouldn't go into that marriage. But I think the key is, you know, you learn need to learn how to fight fair. When I say fight fair, I mean, you, you're going to have disagreements. If I have a couple coming to see me who are, you know, wanting to get married, I'll ask them, have you had a disagreement yet? And they'll say, no, we love each other so much, we never disagree. <laughs> I'll say, get out of here and go have a fight, you know. Because you have to learn how to have conflict resolution and to fight fair. So here's just a couple of rules. Never let it get physical, you know, you never strike each other. Don't throw things. Even, don't even let it turn into a screaming match. Try to hear what the other person is saying. Listen to them. And then the key operative principle from Scripture is don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't go to bed angry at each other. Get it resolved. And honestly, someone's got to take point. And I really, I think husbands should be the ones to do it. Because we're to love our wife as Christ loves the church. So there's a conflict and maybe in your mind she's wrong and you're right, still seek to resolve the conflict. And sometimes what you'll find out is, actually she wasn't wrong, you were wrong. Or you both were wrong, or whatever, who cares? Get it
2: resolved and don't let the sun go
0: down on your anger.
2: Okay, so we got some questions and it's directed towards some of the young couples. How do you guys deal with fights or disagreements? Greg just touched on this uh, question, but now for you that's been married a little less time you're not as comfortable or don't know each other as well how do you deal with fights we actually
1: have a rule where we don't use the d word we never call each other dorks so (laughs) you're a dork no i'm just kidding it's divorce we never use the word divorce and since we know that we're never going to get a divorce we might as well get this resolved there's no reason to go on angry if we you know if if we're going to be together forever so let's get this resolved right now and get it over with and done Wedlock
0: should be a padlock. Just, I love that, Elijah, strike the word divorce. I mean, whatever the conflict is, it's yeah, we have this conflict, but we're going to get through this. And just don't have that as an option.
3: And if if I could just add to that really quickly, too. Another thing that has really helped us is not so much as focusing on each other, but focusing on the problem at hand. And that's something that helps us to fight fair, like yep. Pastor Greg said. Yep. So p- kind of pulling off of what the problem is with each other and saying, okay, what's really the problem here? And yep. then you're actually kind of tackling that thing together instead of fighting each other. So.
2: Yeah. That's really good. Mm, All nice. right, so we've got two different types of marriages. There's a person that wrote in has an amazing marriage, uh, but they want to make it better, and they want to know how do you introduce devotions or reading the Bible together? What do you, each of the couples, do uh, to help your marriage become more godly?
0: Well, we could start. You know, basically, uh, we start every day with God's Word. You know, I basically, I'll read my devotional. Kathy will read hers. And we'll talk about what we're reading. We'll have an ongoing discussion. I think it's a really good way to start the day. But I don't think you should limit it to just the beginning of the day. I think it's an ongoing conversation you should have throughout the day. And we're always talking about God's Word, how it applies to this situation, that situation. And of course, you know, we both teach. She teaches. And by the way, girls, if you don't come to the Virtue Studies that uh, Kathy leads the Virtue Ministry, which is our ministry for women here at the church. You should come. It's amazing. and uh, but So she's always studying. I'm usually studying, you know, of course, as well. So we have a lot of discussions. I'll run messages by her and thoughts and that. So it's kind of an ongoing conversation. You know, Moses talked about when you're raising your children, teach them the Word of God. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk in the way. So I think sometimes we, we overthink devotions. Devotions, oh, devotions. We have to do, how, how long should devotions be? Just relax, okay? Just read the Bible and talk about the Bible. And, and let it be a part of the, the woof and warp of your life. And even better yet, weave it through all of your life. Not only in the morning, but you know throughout the day and the evening.
3: I think to grow in a marriage, you need to, like anything else, you need to continually work on it. Forty-four years, we still work on it. Um, It's—he's not mean. the same guy. <laughs> I'm pretty That's much That's why done. I'm working no, I'm so serious, hard. I'm done. I'm, done.
1: <laughs> I'm doing I'm the work for both of us. I'm my all. No.
3: <laughs> we okay. Here's an interesting thing. You you think you know the person you're marrying? Wait five years. You're gonna be. They're gonna, you're, we're different people. Gosh, 1970. You know, when did we get married? <laughs> 73. We got married in 73. Um, and yeah. it's been. It's been like I've been married to five different men, and they've all been Greg. <laughs> and so, you have to work on that. You and and I think to it. Uh, I'll keep that brief. You know that part of it. But then just always be learning, growing, improving. You have a garden, you have a yard. Many of us have gardens and yards. What does it take to maintain a yard? Do you do, do you plant flowers one day and expect 44 years later that those flowers are going to be thriving? No, you have to pull weeds, you have to build fences, you have to repair. We lived in our house now 20 years and, you know, it's like 20 years. Oh my gosh, everything breaks. You have to work on it constant attention and a little bit every day. Don't ever take your hand off the wheel. Don't ever put it in cruise control because the law of entropy, I think someone mentioned it in one of the messages, everything is going to slide downward. And so you have to be working on it. So a strong marriage needs constant attention.
1: Today on A New Beginning, we've been hearing from Kathy Lurie and Pastor Greg Lurie and his other guests on stage, Pastor Jason Powell, along with Sarah and Pastor Elijah Braggs. Well, Pastor Greg, we're making available a great book by Dr. Tony Evans, and actually all of his kids as well. It's called Divine Disruption, talking about hope in spite of tragedy and crisis and loss. That's right. Is it fair to say that we're all either going through a crisis or we've gone through a crisis or are about to go through a crisis? Yeah. You know, the person who says, oh, no crises here. I I don't need that book. Mm. That's just foolish, isn't it?
0: It is. Give it time. You know, as I've often said, you're either going into a storm or you're pulling out of one. Hey, enjoy those in-between times for sure. But, you know, here's the reality, Dave. In our times of crisis, in the storms of life, if you will, we learn things that we don't learn anywhere else. As I've said before, fruit does not grow on mountaintops, it grows in spiritual valleys. So if you're going through a valley right now, a hardship, if you've lost a loved one recently, or you yourself are suffering, this book is really going to be an encouragement to you because it's written in real time. This is um, this is a book that is honest. It's heartfelt. It's candid. It's biblical. It's hopeful. It's, it's encouraging. So it, it kind of fires in every cylinder. As you mentioned, written by Tony Evans and members of his family in light of the loss of their wonderful mother and Tony's wife, Lois Evans, but but this is a book that just tells you how to deal with these issues, how to grapple with it. Because, you know, when when we lose loved ones as Christians, we we mourn and we should mourn. In fact, it's very important to mourn. The Bible even says there's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn. But during that time of mourning, during those times of sorrow, you come closer to the Lord. Jesus said, blessed or happy are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. It's almost as though you could translate that, happy are the unhappy. (laughs) I know that doesn't make sense, but here's what it's saying. It causes you to turn to God and find the strength you need. One little quote in the book that I love goes as follows, there is no better summary of a successful life. Lois Evans served the purposes of God in her generation, and then she fell asleep. You know, Dave, this phrase, falling asleep, is used in the Bible, and it is only used of a believer dying, never of a nonbeliever. And I think it's just the perfect picture, because when you think of falling asleep, that is not the worst thing that can happen. In fact, as you get older, you start enjoying naps, right? <laughs> and it's worth noting that when young Stephen was actually dying a violent death, the Bible says he fell asleep. And I love this part where they write, Lois served the purposes of God in her generation. Look, every one of us has a beginning, a middle, and an end to our life. Here's the question How are we going to live that life? We have nothing to do with the date of our birth, really nothing to do with the date of our death, but we have everything to do with that dash in the middle. Huh. Lois Evans lived her life well, she served God's purposes in her generation raising amazing children that all love the Lord and are serving the Lord today. Also there alongside Tony, I know he misses her so deeply. But you're going to be blessed by this book because it's going to help you as you go through your times of difficulty as well. And the title of the book is Divine Disruption. And we'll send you a copy for your gift of any size, whatever you can send in return, we will invest in this ministry so we can continue to bring a message of hope
1: to people literally around the world. Yeah, that's right. When you give to us, you're really giving through us. We take your investment and put it to work reaching those who need biblical hope and direction, those who need to hear the gospel. We hear from people every day who've had their lives impacted and changed through this outreach, and you can have a part in helping it continue with your donation today. When you make that donation, be sure to ask for this new book, Divine Disruption. You can call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. And you can call anytime, 24-7. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org. next time, more practical counsel from Pastor Greg's message called Marriage 101, including some time-tested insight on avoiding infidelity. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie.
3: A New Beginning is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God.